Hello, hello. Welcome to another edition of the Off Script Podcast. My name is Robert. I'm your your host, and I'm joined again today by uh, my friend and uh, pastoral resident at Christ Fellowship Northwest, Mr. Danny C. Danny, how you doing today, man? I'm good, man. Back by popular demand. <laughs> Back by popular demand. Yes, man. We had we had letters written, emails, tweets, Facebook posts, the whole deal requesting uh, requesting your presence. I think on they the... were just ready for you to not do another one by yourself. Yeah, man. I I feel sorry for the people, like all five of you, that listened to <laughs> to the podcast when it when it was just me. Uh, but no, excited you're here today, man. Excited uh, even more to kind of uh, to talk about. Uh, Christmas and uh, some of the things that kind of our church is doing as we as we look to kind of the Advent season and what God is doing around the world um, in terms of of international missions and so uh, want to talk about a, a missionary um, that probably most of our people at Christ Fellowship have have heard of they may not realize she was a missionary. Um, but uh, her name is Lottie Moon. So we want to spend some time talking about her and uh, tell you a little bit about uh, why we take up um, uh, why we take up a Christmas offering in her name as as Southern Baptist. And so, um, so kind of what we're running after today is like, who is she? Who is Lottie Moon, and why should you get her a Christmas present, Danny? That's uh, that's the question that we're going to talk about today. And so I figure we would kick things off with uh, what are you? What are you asking? Santa Claus, mom and dad, whoever it might be, Ashlyn, your wife. What do you What do you want for Christmas, Dan? Yeah, man. I honestly, until you asked me that a second ago, I I hadn't thought about it a bit. We have Danny. The, you shouldn't give away that we prep. <laughs> we prep the episode. What we just did was right. does not qualify for prep. <laughs> okay. Um, All right. What do you want for Christmas? So we have the the blessing of having a kid. Uh, that is his birthday's two days after Christmas. Oh, he's also that stinks. Yeah, man. He's also the only grandchild on both sides. Mom and Dad, why didn't you plan that out a little better? Uh, yeah, my that, that was my bad. Um, he's your bad. But so grandparents kind of like take over the Christmas holidays and birthdays the last couple years, um, or really just the last year because it was his first birthday. Um, so everything is thinking about like, what are we getting Emerson for Christmas slash birthday? Um, and so we haven't given a lot of time to ourselves to think about that. Um, but off the top of my head, I can think of like three things that I kind of want. So okay. you're going to make fun of me for this one. Usually about every Christmas, uh, I usually get a new Switch game. Um, wait, 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 hold on, hold on. What is a Switch game? Nintendo Switch, man. Oh my goodness! Don't don't act, don't hate because video games. You have you have played you have played some Super Smash with me, some Mario Kart. You're right. Um, I have. I I have, but but I don't own them. That's okay. It's I got it for my kid. Me and him played. Oh, of course. Of so course. I looking probably for another. Uh, they just came out with a new game for that. I'm interested in. Um, I also want to invest in a new bass. Been playing bass at church oh, a little bit. Uh, Mom and Dad, if, if you're listening, Ashlyn, Santa Claus. Yeah, get a new bass. Nice. Um, bass has been a lot of fun to play the last couple of weeks, so I'd love to get one. I could have it at home and get a little better at it. Uh, and then the last thing. Ashlyn oh my I, goodness, you have a long list. Dude. Well, you, 
Yeah, it's this is kind of like a joint. This is a family present. Everybody's been talking about the uh, the kitchen addition of an air fryer. Uh, y'all got an air fryer? No, we don't have an air fryer. So we haven't we haven't bought into the hype, but we've been we've been encouraged by several people like it's a game changer in the kitchen. Interestingly enough, I saw a tweet the other day from a guy I follow, and he put day old Bojangles in his air fryer, and, and I, he said it was just as good as the day he. That's bought what it. I'm saying. So I, I think. We we talked about it a couple months ago and we pushed off the we pushed off buying one, but I think it's going to be a, a Christmas. I might get it for Ashlyn. She might get it for me. You going to invite me over for other. cheese sticks? Heck, well, I don't know what all you can put in that thing, but I think you can do all kind of fun stuff. So. Man, I better get an invite for cheese sticks. I love some mozzarella sticks. What about you, man? What you? What do I want? List? What do I want for Christmas? Honestly, like I kind of have like one one thing that kind of my heart is is set on. I I want some. Uh, I so I've gotten into mountain biking. Me and a couple guys at church, the Blue Ridge bikers, the Blue Ridge bikers. We don't have chaps or leather vests or patches or anything like that, and we ride on on the mountain on mountain bikes. So don't let Danny don't let Danny make us into a biker gang. No, so I'm, I've gotten into to, to mountain biking and I'm just hooked on it. And so I need a new I need a backpack. I, I was I was uh, biking the other day with a with a friend with Randall Randall Moss, and and so we're out in the middle of nowhere. I mean, we're probably a couple miles from the truck, and we just we, like we're both realizing that we don't have any tools to like fix. Uh, if we break something, if a tire comes off, we don't have a tire to like a tube. Our, our tires are are tubeless, so we don't have a tube to put in the tire if we puncture it. So we basically determined that we're two miles from the truck, and Up if something happens, to the, yeah, that's exactly right. We're going to be carrying the bikes back in the truck. So I need some. I need a backpack. Uh, uh, they make a, a mountain biking pack that has like a hydration bladder in it and stuff, and a place to put some tools. That's what I. That, that's kind of the big thing that I that I want for Christmas this year. Julie, if you're listening, I know, right? I know, right? Help, help a brother out. So, uh, so Christmas, we we probably all have things on our on our Christmas list. If you have kids, you definitely have a Christmas list uh, in front of you. Uh, but uh, but one of the things that um, that we're emphasizing uh, this year at at Christ Fellowship Northwest, it's uh, something that we emphasize every year is is giving towards. Uh, what God is doing around the world, giving towards international missions, and when we we talk about giving uh, giving towards international missions, there's no uh, there's no greater person to talk about, I think, than uh, than than Lottie Moon. So, Danny, um, are you like aware of Lottie Moon? Do you know who she is? Have you like, I mean, other than like you, you, he mentioned before the rice bowls, I had forgotten about the rice bowls. Heck yeah, man! We I had the rice like, bowls every year. I used to, there's no telling in my parents' house how many of those rice bowls are stored away somewhere in the attic. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so, so you're you're aware of Lottie Moon? You've grown. Yeah, man. So, I mean, I was a I was a missions major at North Greenville. Oh, so that's right. Mission that's right. majors, we talk about Lottie Moon. But even before that, like Lottie Moon was one of the first people we learned about in um, RAs, GAs to yes, take a real throwback. That's right. Um, that's right. Talk about on we do Sunday nights every every year around Christmas time. We, um, I remember my dad. He was a pastor, so he'd get those. Um, we'd get a, I guess we got them from Lifeway. I don't know where they came from, but a big old bag of those little brown bowls with yes. rice on top, like yeah. a, a little dome, and it had it, like little rice in it. It's plastic, yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. Uh, it was like a piggy bank. It was a rice bowl piggy bank. Yep. And I always got excited about those things. Like we'd throw them like at each other, uh, <laughs> throw them around. <laughs> um, but then we'd take them home and we'd fill them with quarters, dollars, whatever, yeah. and bring them back. Um, and I didn't really understand at the time like, why we were doing that. I just remember like – it's like a Christmas time rice bowl piggy bank. Yep. Um, but then as I get older, as many things we do in the church like don't make sense to kids, but they stick with you. Um, yeah. 
I remember thinking about like, oh, this lady, like she, we're we're giving money um, to fund something that this lady did. Not, I, I didn't know when she lived. I didn't know where she was. Uh, I think I maybe had an association with her in China, but um, I was introduced to her at an early age, but didn't have the appreciation until much much later, like probably high school, high school college. Yeah, yeah. So I, you know, I, I had totally forgotten about those uh, the, those rice bowls until you until you mentioned them, and it's it's really interesting. Like we we laugh about it now, right? Those little those little you know uh, cheapo plastic rice bowls. But we were you know we were we were kind of talking about Lottie and the Lottie Moon Christmas offering before we uh, before we started recording here, and like it it's really not something to laugh about when you consider that like as of as of March of this year, five billion dollars has been raised. I'm sure a significant part of that coming from those little rice bowls from, yeah. you know, little kids filling them with quarters or, um, you know, little old ladies, little old men at, at, you know, thousands upon thousands of Southern Baptist churches, you know, putting kind of putting their, their last might in the, in those little, in those little bowls has, has generated $5 billion, uh, total for, uh, for international missions. It's a, it's an incredible thing. So, so, and all of this is done in honor of, of a lady named, named Lottie, Lottie Moon. Now, her her actual name was not Lottie Moon. Now, I don't know how you get the nickname Lottie, because I, I, I was doing some research on her. Like, her, her she doesn't have a middle name of like Loretta, or I don't know what Lottie would be short for. I don't. It, is it just it ain't short for Diggs? Yeah, it's not short for <laughs> Diggs. But so she was born Charlotte Lottie Diggs Moon, December the twelfth, eighteen forty. And I, I don't know if I'm saying this right. Uh, sorry uh, if you're from uh, Virginia, and I'm about to butcher this. But Albert Marley County, Virginia. Any idea where that's at? So it was. It's actually the plant like Mount Vernon, where the pres- a lot of the presidents lived. It's oh. like smack dab in the middle. Uh, between like three presidential plantations, so Thomas Jefferson, where he lived. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. How cool! Well, so uh, that's so, why and, we read different books. Yeah, that's right. That is why we read different <laughs> books. Well, so and and that makes it even more interesting because apparently she comes, she came from a very wealthy family that at least um, kind of like land uh, landed nobility, right? She her family owned uh, quite a bit of of property in the pre Civil War South. Yeah, tell the Civil War. Yeah, I know, right? The Civil War kind of jacked all of that up. But so she was um, she was the fourth of seven uh, seven siblings that survived in. Um, to adulthood, so um, my guess is she lived probably uh, a pretty good, a pretty good life as a, as a little girl in in Virginia in the pre Civil War South. She was educated. She got a she got a very a very good education. Um, excelled in literature, uh, languages. Interesting enough, she she learned Greek, Latin, Italian, French, and Spanish in school, and then not to mention like Chinese later on, like. Uh, I can I know just enough Spanish to be dangerous and get myself in trouble. That's, yep, that's I right. had to learn Greek in seminary, and I can do just enough with it to kind of help me out. But that's it. Like I can't, I, and I don't know. I you know I didn't do enough research to know like whether she was actually like fluent in these languages. But that's pretty impressive, right? Learning all of those languages: Greek, Latin, uh, Italian, French, and Spanish. And that was I, was I think I was reading through some of her letters that the IMB has. And there was this incident between her and um, and someone in like a Bible study or something, and like she was actually reading from the Greek, like New Testament, like she's like kind of like translating on she the was one of those like Lottie throwing down kind of thing. Uh, but no, so she was uh, she was well educated, but um, kind of growing up in pre Civil War South, um, she was not a believer. 
right? She was not a believer in kind of until um, at least kind of later in her kind of teenage years. I think if I'm if I'm if I'm remembering right, I, I think she so she grew up in a Christian home kind of thing. That's right. That's right. Grew up in a Christian home, but then as she as she grew up, was educated, learned more stuff, um, started to drift away, and even became antagonistic, like sure, um, kind of scoffed at uh, religion, things like that. Um, and so brought me in a situation that a lot of parents are familiar with. Like they do everything they can to kind of raise She's their, a classic church kid. Yeah, you do everything you can to raise your kid in the fear and admonition of the Lord. And then as they begin to grow up, uh, they turn away from it, they rebel, and parents are left like, oh, what can we do? What are we, we going to do? Um, but good news is uh, God brought her back. So. Yeah, I think it was. Uh, I think it's John Broadus, and some of the research that I was doing is quoted as saying of Lottie that so during most of this is, this is Broadus, I think here during most of Lottie's teenage years, she was becoming a confirmed skeptic of Christianity. She was a pr- a prankster who told fellow students that her middle initial D stood for devil. So if that kind of gives you an idea, probably because she was ashamed of digs, but yeah, maybe that that could have been it too. All in all, like she strikes me like she was a sassy lady. Oh, yeah. Right, I think she she had a little. She had uh, had a had a personality. A personality. That's a that's a good way to say strong it. personality. Well, so uh, this pastor brought us, which he's a well known uh, Southern Baptist pastor theologian. Um, he was uh, he was holding a series of evangelistic uh, meetings in late 1858, and uh, Lottie's friends actually put her on on the prayer list, I'm assuming at, at those at those meetings, like the group was praying for, for people to come to faith. Lottie's friends were attending. They put her on the list, and Lottie actually surprises them and shows up to one of Pastor Broadus's, uh sermons. It's a sunrise prayer meeting. I don't know why she picked that one. Like, to get up she came, well, and one of the things I read, like she came to kind of make fun of them. Like oh, she that's right. That's right, yeah. Anta- like with a little antagonistic motivation. Um, but God got a hold of her through... Preaching of his word, as he often does. Yeah, that's right. So the pastor brought us, preaches his sermon, the gospel shared. Lottie goes home that night and she can't sleep, right? Or actually, you know what? I think I think I'm I'm, I'm mixing up, right? I'm, I'm mixing up the, the stories here. So she couldn't sleep the night before. That's what it was. She couldn't sleep the night before. Related how a barking dog had kept her had kept her awake. She spent the hours. Um, thinking on, of her soul's condition, she later then met with Pastor Broadus and um, uh, repented of her sins and believed in Christ and and was later, uh, which actually she was baptized the next day after this this conversation, this interaction with uh, with with Broadus. And uh, the way the story is told, Lottie rose from those waters uh, a different a different woman. And so, kind of now, her entire life's trajectory. Um, kind of it, it, it headed in a new direction, right? So now, kind of the stage is set for her her journey to um, to China, but it didn't happen immediately. There's a there's kind of a 15 year gap between um, Lottie being saved, right? Lottie coming to faith in Christ, and ultimately making it to um, to to the mission field. And and right in the middle of all of that, like some some. Well, one in particular really big world event happened, or um, at least national event um, happened. This is the Civil War. Right, so the Civil War breaks out. Of course, being from Virginia, Lottie and her family were, um, were affected by this immensely. Right, her family loses everything. They lose their, um, I'm assuming their land, um, their, their fortune. Lottie goes from kind of uh, riches to, uh, to, to rags. 
And so this kind of, um, I, I guess this poverty kind of sets Lottie on this path um, to, to teaching girls, uh, to, to educating um, young women in kind of the reconstruction uh, reconstruction of the of the South, right? Kind of so think post Civil War, um, Reconstruction era. Lottie is is educating young girls. She gets this teaching career, um, and ends up uh, and ends up um, starting an academy for girls where um, she she's educating young girls at this academy that she started. And this is kind of where her her interest in China grew because as a result of starting that academy, she started giving financial support to a girls' school run by a lady named Martha Crawford. Who was a Southern Baptist missionary in um, in northern China? Now, now, um, so then, so she's she's giving money to kind of this Southern Baptist missionary in northern China named Martha Crawford. But then, talk to us a little bit about what what kind of uh, precipitates kind of the the move itself to China, and I think particularly her sister, right? Yeah. Uh, so she had a younger sister, and uh, Edmund Ed. I can't. I'm going to say it wrong. Edmonia. Something like Edmonia? that. Edmonia. I don't know how you say it. Um, and about like, then the stuff that I read, like her sister goes and the mission, like she's not a very good missionary. Um, oh, really? Did, yeah. We didn't talk. The mission agents, like, like Lottie goes with her eventually and like realizes her sister's like really bad at this. <laughs> her sister goes home, but she's kind of the catalyst that gets Lottie over there. Okay. Um, and so Edmonia, I'm just gonna, let's I'm go gonna, with that. Let's I, go with Edmonia. I'm I like gonna, it. Yeah. I'm going to just, uh, be wrong. Yeah. Courageously. It's like those old Testament genealogies, man. You, you just, just gotta own be it. confident. Be confident. Own um, it. So Edmonia, she's over there, and it's actually surprising. She goes as a single lady, um, gets an appointment with a with a board. And I was gonna gonna ask just if we could talk about it a little bit, like what is a, a single lady in the eighteen sixties, eighteen seventies? Like what are their what place did they have? And like a lot, it's, I think it bears thinking about. Like single women didn't have they didn't go to the mission field, right? Like yeah, um, if they went, it was because they went attached to their husband. They went to help their husbands. Yeah, and yeah. and they went to and people even said like when Lottie went over there, like a woman's role is to be in the household and raise your kids while your husband goes and does the quote unquote the missionary work. The missionary work. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so the fact that her sister goes um, is. By herself. Yeah, by herself is kind of astonishing. Um, and, again, she's not very good at it. But then Lottie follows her the year after that. Um, and Lottie's not the type of pe- type of person to kind of sit. I, one, she does, she's not married. Sassy. Uh, yeah, she's not going to sit on her hands. Um, so she's not the type of person to just go and um, be put in a corner somewhere. She wants to do the missionary work. And so at the time, like, the only role that a single woman had would, was to teach other ladies. Yeah. Um, and so that what she was doing in Georgia, teaching young girls, is what they put her doing um, in China. And she that, that doesn't really sit very well with her for very long. Um, there's some unrest that happens. Um, correct, like correct me if I'm wrong. No, no, yeah, yeah. So, so she, so, uh, so we'll back up a little bit. So, so she leaves for China on September first, eighteen seventy three. So she, she heard a. So her sister's there, right? Her sister sends her a letter, like Lottie, you need to come and help, kind of thing. And then, like you said, like Lottie eventually gets over there, realizes her sister's no good at no good at this. But so she she ends up, and she, a lot of the men aren't that good. That's at right. It either. That's like, right. Well, and so what makes that so interesting to me is kind of how the.
the tables have have flipped in some in some respects right now. So like in 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 this time, right, um, for a woman to go by herself on the mission field would have been in like in Edmonia's case was was very odd and very strange, right? And it seems like in our day, like um, and and I haven't checked like recent statistics on this, but I know for example when I was in seminary, There's a lot like, of ladies, women vastly vastly two out, to three to one. That's right, outpaced the number of men who are going to the nations. And so, you know, it, it's almost as if Lottie becomes like a catalyst, so to speak, kind of for this for this shift. Um, I think another thing that bears mentioning, it wasn't that Lottie was some homely, like, lady that didn't have any suitors. She had a guy that was trying that's to... That's right. She that's had right. a guy that was trying to to wife it up, put a ring on it, and he wanted to go overseas and do, do minute to, to Japan, actually. And she entertained the idea... Uh, his name was Crawford Toy. He was a professor at uh, the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary when it was in Greenville, then moved to Louisville. Um, go, go Southern, uh, my alma mater. But uh, now, now, tell him what happened to Crawford Toy before well, we, we go. We like, gotta, go yeah, we got to we got to get get rid of the bad eggs. So Crawford <laughs> Toy was one of the one of the first guys to um, kind of embrace a new li- liberalism, uh, Darwinism, evolutionary yeah. uh, thought, and. Uh, Lottie kind of picked up on that, and she looked into it and realized really quick, like, hey, this doesn't make any sense next to the Bible, and uh, she shut it down, and she left him. She's like, yeah, we're not we're not going to go do that together, um, and they went, uh, she went to China by herself instead, so she probably could have, uh, or not probably, she definitely could have um, gone with a man and fell in, fell in step like all the other good missionary wives should have, but that's not how Lottie was. She marched to the beat of her own drum yeah. and went to China solo. Yeah, and so, so so she gets to China. She ends up in the city of Ting Chow, right, which was the 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 burial place. If you've ever uh, if you've ever heard of a uh, a kind of very famous Chinese philosopher, religious leader Confucius, this is where Confucius is buried. It's the current day city of. I'm probably going to botch this too. I'm sorry if you are uh, Chinese. Uh, Pengali. Pengali, I guess. So that that's where she ends up spending the rest of her life. It kind of becomes a home base for her. But but there immediately, like her immediate ministry there in China is to girls, right? And and that's and this is kind of part of that whole like um, that thing that she was dealing with, where it just doesn't it just doesn't sit well with her. I don't think that um, that kind of her role in missions was just going to be to these kind of young girls that she was teaching at this school that that she was working at. And she ends up getting this opportunity. She gets invited. Uh, I'm trying to, to, to remember the, the ladies' names. It's, Martha? Uh, no, Sally. Sally. Sally, Holmes. Sally Holmes invites her to go on what she called a picnic in the countryside. So... Um, Sally Holmes was actually working with Martha at this school, I believe, and she invites um, uh, she invites uh, Lottie to go on these picnics in the countryside. Well, essentially, it was a cover story. Like they were they were going on these picnics in the countryside, but they were also sharing the gospel. So they were sharing the gospel with people, and I think this is where it kind of takes off for Lottie, and she really kind of finds her niche in in terms of like this is what her legacy is going to be in terms of international missions in China. And she actually leaves kind of uh, the Crawfords um, and kind of the this school with girls and kind of sets up her, her own kind of mission, right? Her own kind of like individual thing. Yeah, so she was working under a guy named Crawford, his wife Martha Crawford, um, was working alongside her to kind of teach girls 
But Crawford, the man, his philosophy was very much, all right, ladies, you teach the ladies over here, and the men will go do the mission work. Um, and that didn't sit right with Lottie. And so she kind of basically rebels and just said, no, I'm, I'm going to go over here to the city or the province of Ping Tu. Ping Tu. Um, Sorry again if you're Chinese. And so that's where, that's where she kind of sets up shop by herself. Um, and she's like, I'm going to do things my own way, kind of that picnic in the countryside, just meet people, teach them, whoever comes. Um, and this was kind of like some of those people were men, right? And so like that kind of goes against the whole complementarian view that a lot of Baptists had. Um, but there was no men doing it. So Lottie yeah. stepped up, and uh, she was kind of – her efforts were blessed pretty quick. Well, she kind of suffered. It took her some time to get to know some people – uh, but then people heard about her from neighboring villages, uh, this strange woman with a strange religion. And so three, the story goes, three dudes showed up to her door and like, tell us about what you believe. We're interested. Three, three Chinese nationals, yeah, right? Three yeah. men, three Chinese men. And they said, tell us what you believe. And so Lottie started to, and these men were eager. They were ready uh, to be discipled and they learned quickly. Um, and they started telling people. And so the, and the work just multiplied rapidly. Uh, so all of a sudden, there's this group of people meeting together, and they've got a church, and they're baptizing people. Um, and so Lottie called down the road and said, Hey, boys, like, y'all send one of y'all preacher boys up here. to, uh, to I, need, I got a church. I got some people that need baptizing. I got a congregation that need to be— um, Send me a pastor. Pre- yeah, and, and, and she just kept doing that kept reproducing the work and the problem was there wasn't enough men not wasn't enough pastor men to come and willing keep up, yeah, yeah willing to come and keep up with her yeah. um and that's kind of where lottie's legacy uh transitioned to her beating the drum for the women to for the men to step up and when the men didn't step up for the women to step up yeah and we, and we want to be we, we want to be careful right we don't want to paint lottie as i mean she it, everything that i've read and studied about her she was a sassy lady right but we don't want to we don't want to paint her out to be kind of this rebellious yeah, sure. uh, rebellious kind of kind of person um, I think she was very much kind of responding to kind of the, the the time that she lived in, the needs of her of her kind of given situation, and you know we're I, again I don't I don't I, I don't know um, I don't know what she would have said to this, but you know my my, my guess is is that Lottie very much affirmed right the role of of men yeah. as as pastors. It's a very biblical you know at Christ Fellowship Northwest we hold to, to complementarianism, biblical complementarianism, right? Um, and so I, 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 Lottie would have been right there with us. Lottie would have been right there with but us. She probably also would have said, "Hey, if we're going to hold to this, that means you boys need to step on up." That's exactly right. That's <laughs> exactly right. And so they weren't. And so she was kind of stepping into that gap. And this is kind of where for Lottie, like things really take off, right? And this is where kind of her missionary efforts kind of come into their own. And she spends her entire life in China um, doing uh, doing mission work among the Chinese people in this kind of interior region, uh, Shandong province, um, in the city of, of Pingtu um, in China. And one of the things that she notices as she's doing this work is that so many of these, uh, of these, um, I guess we could call them like uh, outposts, out missions, outposts, whatever they may be. Now, at, at this point, kind of in Southern Baptist history, it wasn't called the International Mission Board. It was called the Foreign Mission Board. So the Foreign Mission Board had kind of missions or outposts in various places in China. And, and Lottie's noticing that in all of these places, they're underfunded, they're understaffed, and everyone is just exhausted. And so Lottie takes it upon herself to do something about this. And so she starts writing letters. 
um, she starts uh, she starts writing, corresponding with the, the foreign mission board. Like, hey guys, we we need help. We need resources. We need people. We we need you to send people. We need you to send uh, send uh, money. And she she starts noticing, particularly among um, the Methodists and the Presbyterians, um, that within those two particular denominations. Um, that uh, that women in particular were being uh, were being raised up not not just to go and be a part of foreign missions but to actually like uh, pool resources to give and so Lottie becomes this champion uh, for uh, women within the the Southern Baptist Convention the women's missionary movement she becomes this champion calling them um, to kind of rise up and pool resources raise money. Uh, for the sake of uh, of foreign missions, I want to I want to read you a bit of of her of one of the letters that she writes. Um, it's it's called the the letter that kind of started it all that started uh, the uh, the Lottie Moon Christmas offering or or at least what would become the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. Uh, she writes some years ago the Southern Methodist Mission in China had run down to the lowest watermark. The rising of the tide seems to have begun with the enlisting of the women of the church in the cause of missions. The previously unexampled increase in missionary zeal and activity in the Northern Presbyterian Church is attributed to the same reason, the thorough awakening of the women of the church upon the subject of missions. In like manner, until the women of the Southern Baptist churches are thoroughly aroused, we shall continue to go on in our present hand-to-mouth system. We shall continue to see mission stations so poorly manned that missionaries break down from overwork, loneliness, and isolation. We shall continue to see promising mission fields uncentered and old stations languishing, and we shall continue to see other denominations, no richer and no better educated than ours, outstripping us in the race. I wonder how many of us really believe that it's more blessed to give than to receive. I know, right? (laughs) I know, like scathing. Right, and so this letter, and I'm sure many more, become like this this indictment, right, upon uh, Southern Baptists um, uh, about their you know their giving towards missions, and it becomes this rallying cry um, amongst amongst women within the Southern Baptist Convention, and the Lottie Moon Christmas offering um, is is born, and so we were doing some some research about this kind of uh, beforehand, and. Um, we we think we've we've learned what we think we've learned is that when the the first offering was taken, I think they raised somewhere around like three thousand dollars, right? Something yeah, they like shoot, that. They were shooting for two. Okay, two, two ladies. Two ladies. Um, so you could send a lady for or support a lady for a thousand dollars back okay. then. Yep. And uh, they actually got three, and they were able to support a third lady, and they were overjoyed. Yeah. Um, but Lottie realized pretty quickly, like three ladies. We've got billions of people over here around the world. Three's not going to cut it. We need more. Um, and so she tried to drum it up. And in her lifetime, sadly, she wasn't able to see it. Yeah. But then after her lifetime, within a couple years or a few years after, they were raising $200,000. I think so. I think sometime by like 1930 or something like yeah. that, they had ra- they were raising like $200,000. And I think I mentioned at the beginning of the, the episode here, right, cumulatively today as of March 2021, the Lottie Moon Christmas offering has raised Five billion, five billion with a B dollars uh, for for international missions. Now, before we leave Lottie uh, and and talk about kind of the the offering to just a little bit more, you know, it's it's worth pointing out like Lottie spends the rest of her life in China. 
Um, she uh, into her, into her seventies, right? She was seventy two years old, and her health b- began to decline very seriously. Um, she uh, a doctor. Um, one of her doctors strongly encourages her to um, uh, to go back stateside for uh, for health reasons, right? And uh, she makes it all the way to Japan, right? So she makes it to Japan and actually dies in the harbor there. Now, uh, there's a little uh, there's a little confusion, a little controversy. A little controversy. Yeah, that's right. That's a better word. A little controversy over kind of how she got to this state of kind of malnutrition and poor health, right? You want to talk to us a little bit about that? Yeah, man. So the so the uh, poster story, I guess, is that Lottie. She was the the Southern Baptist saint. Even at 70, the preacher 71. preacher story, right? Yeah. yeah. So even at 70, 71, 72, her health's declining. She's taking her food, She and she doesn't eat it herself. She gives it away to the people around her because even uh, – and she just gets thinner and thinner and thinner and thinner um, and quits eating so that she can support all the little orphans around her, uh, gathered around her feet. And now – and eventually she becomes to a point where she can't uh, – her body can't sustain her and she passes away. Um, and so you need to give to missions to continue her legacy. Like that's kind of the story I heard growing up, a story you for, you were familiar with. Um, but as people have looked into it more, uh, that's the story that that sells the offering that supports the offering bowls, that's right? right? That's right. Um, but I think in reality, it was just a maybe there was some of that, some some of that charity. But um, I think there's also uh, some probably dementia and just things like she forgot to eat and she didn't. She stopped eating. Sure. Um, and that's what actually led to her death. But the other story, it sells uh, sells rice bowls way better, way better, um, way better. But regardless, regardless of how her legacy's not yeah, tarnished, regardless of how her life ended, um, Lottie was a person that gave to others first. Yeah, um, yeah. And so mm-hmm. I, I could see the story being true. Absolutely. Um, well, so so here's the deal. Um, here's the deal. Like the Lottie Moon Christmas offering is one of the best ways to give to international missions. Every single dollar that you give towards to the Lottie Moon Christmas offering goes directly to the International Mission Board. It doesn't go through state conventions or even uh, the national, the Southern Baptist Convention. It goes straight to missionaries on the field. It is a it is a worthy cause, and so uh, you should definitely get Lottie a present this year um, uh, because the money. Uh, the money that's being raised in her name is going to take the gospel to places that that needs to hear it. And I haven't talked to different IMB personnel over the years. Um, they all, almost always the conversation comes up to, to Lottie Moon and like, hey, thank you so much for supporting, for giving to Lottie Moon. We couldn't do what we do without churches giving generously to that. Because, I mean, the the money that the IMB operates on, I don't know what the statistic, but it's a it's a huge percentage of it is made up of this of this special yeah. Christmas offering. Well, and the the beautiful part of Christ Fellowship Northwest, right? With our one mission offering, part of the money that you give to one mission is going directly to Lottie. So uh, I want to encourage you all, right? Um, give to one mission this year at Christ Fellowship Northwest. You can do it via the website. Um, select uh, select one mission when you when you give. You can do it with the envelope um, that we keep at our giving boxes. Um, just mark on there for one mission, and part of all of that money that we raise this year in the Christ Fellowship Network will go uh, will go to Lottie and go to international missionaries on the field. Danny, this has been fun, man. This has been fun talking about Lottie, talking about the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. We'll have to we'll have to get some more uh, some more missionaries involved in the, the podcast episodes in the future. 
and thanks for having me on. All right, uh, it's been uh, it's been great. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time on the Off Script Podcast. See you soon.